Hello everyone and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. This is your host, Ben Cohen. And I'm Bob Seska. And I'm Justin Rosario. The Banter Roundtable podcast is brought to you by the Banter Newsletter. We rely on our generous subscribers to keep going, so please support us by signing up for a Banter membership today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Banter Roundtable podcast. We're on episode 49. We're here with Justin and Bob. Bob is back. Uh, good to have you back. We, we struggled mightily last week, Bob. I have to say. I'm sure you did. I'm sure you yeah. had nothing to say without me. It was awful. Terrible. Yeah, it terrible. was terrible. Uh, you know, we've got three downloads on the podcast. Um, and all the listeners. All the listeners said, yeah, I was shit. Make sure Bob's back next week. Like, this is, you know, we're not signing up for this. Um, <laughs> No, we. <laughs> I think we did all right, Justin. I think we did okay. We got a few. I got. I got a couple of emails saying, "Well done. We did. We did well." Um, yeah, I think. I think the name of the episodes have been two Jews that walk into a bar, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, Bob, good to have you back. Um, uh, thanks so much, guys. So we have a an exciting show for you today, and we have some good news for you. First of all, we're going to be talking about the 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 amazing news, actually, from a global point of view. Uh, we'll talk about that in a second. We have midterm predictions of the poll, polls suggesting a red wave. Are they right? Um, what are some other news sources that we are reading? And uh, what, what you know, is there anything that could be contradict the the sort of uh, conventional wisdom on that? We're going to dive into that. We're going to be talking about the Paul Pelosi attack. Uh, Justin and I made a prediction last week as to what who who would be the perpetrator. We were. We were proven right, of course. What does that mean? Shocking. Um, yeah, shockingly. We're going to talk about right-wing violence and how that's increasing. Also, we're going to uh, continue our coverage of Elon Musk's takeover of Twitter. It's turning into an absolute horror show. So we'll be continuing chatting about that. Um, we have uh, also a lot of the, the media has been reporting, um, this, they're predicting rather, that Trump will almost certainly run again. So we're going to be talking about that, whether indictment stops him if he's indicted, um, which may or may not happen. We have our both sides segment. I have uh, a very, what's the word? What would be the word for it? No, I'm, I'm going to save it because it's it, this is one of the worst. This is one of the worst both sides I've done. So, um, and it's with a very well-known person. So you'll have to wait for that. And then we're in our members only podcast today, we're going to be discussing what happens if Republicans do win the midterms? Where does that leave the Democrats? Where does that leave Joe Biden? What happens in 2024? What can we look forward to for the next two years if Republicans take over one or both houses? So we'll get dive into that in the members only section. Uh, but I'm going to start off with some very positive news that Bolsonaro, the, the, the Trump of the South, the Latin American Trump, has been resoundingly defeated uh, in, in the Brazilian elections. And we now have um, uh, Lu, uh, Luis Ignacio Lula de Silva, who is now president again. He was uh, used to be the president. Um, he was voted out in 2010. was then fitted up by his uh, by conservatives in the, in, the, in the Brazilian government, sent him to jail. He was exonerated, came back. It was one of the most extraordinary political comebacks I've ever seen coming from, from jail to, to win the presidency. This is a this is a really really big deal, and uh, thank God. Yes, yes. I I think basically the future of the Amazon was at stake there, um, and as far as I'm concerned, like anything else that happens globally, is is you know, not nowhere near as important as that election. Right? I don't think people really understood how important that was to the future of the Amazon. So Lula was a huge champion of, of, of protecting the Amazon rainforest and deforestation under Lula went down dramatically during his tenure. And uh, so he, he first took office in 2003 and he, he um, left in 2010 and he enacted policies that reduced deforestation rates by 80%. This is according to the New York Times. Um, so then when Bolsonaro came into office in 2019, he basically gutted all of um, the, the, the work that Lula had done. Uh, deforestation began to soar, uh, shooting up. It, they lost over 12,000 square miles of the Amazon rainforest from 2019 to 2021. That's an astonishing 
uh, amount of land. Um, <clears throat> and Silver is back and he's going to re-implement uh, much of what he did previously. I think he's actually going to do a lot more. So I think the, the kind of global leaders are at least democratically elected ones and conscientious ones are quite relieved at this, very relieved at this. Now they have a partner in the Amazon rainforest because basically if the Amazon goes down, that's it. Like we're out. It's we're, we're, we're finished. It's, it's uh, you know, it's a, it's humanities. It's the planet's carbon sink, right? Those are the lungs of the earth. And you can look at charts looking at the, at the state of the Amazon and it looks like a diseased lung right now. It really does. When you look, you look at these um, aerial photos, uh, and you realize that like we're, we're close to a tipping point. So thank God, like we now have an ally in the Amazon and, you know, if deforestation rates go down, the Amazon can recover. It buys us some time. That's what it's going to do. You know, we, we've got a very serious, you know, um, issue obviously with climate change and we need all the help we can get. So that's some very positive news. So I wanted to start the podcast with that. So I'm, uh, that's put me in a good mood this week. Phew. <laughs> few yes few, few. exactly, exactly. Uh, and anybody all these right-wing fascists getting getting kicked out of office is absolutely fantastic so Bol- bolsonaro was a trump knockoff and uh, you know yep. thank god he's gone um okay so now to the all the bad news um <laughs> <laughs> on for the rest of the podcast yeah rest of the podcast so look most media outlets are basically saying that the midterms are the republicans have this in the bag right that they are guaranteed almost guaranteed to take over the house the senate is now tipped in their favor uh polling averages indicate this as well if you look at 538 uh, they're now favored to take over the senate in in 538's uh, simulations are, are, are we you know are we missing something here is this uh, like I'm seeing a lot of other news, um, you know, talking about voter turnout. Justin, we talked about this, right? There's huge voter turnout. Yeah, massive w- voter turnout. Like w- women are are extremely motivated after Roe versus Wade. Uh, we've seen in other special elections. How many special elections were there this year? Or like, I can't remember how many. Were there. I'm not sure. And Republicans were underperforming in most of them. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, uh, am I what? Okay, look, reassure me, right? I just I want some a positive spin on this. Um, well, I mean, Democrats are vastly outperforming previous years in terms of turnout so far, and how that Democratic vote splits—that's uh, a big question mark. But it, mm-hmm. just in terms of the data that we have right now, it's mm-hmm. very positive for Democrats. And then you combine that with the precedent of all these special elections, plus the Kansas ballot re- referendum mm-hmm. on abortion. And there's something that's not being detected by the polls. And in fact, people I trust, poll watchers who, you know, are experts in this kind of shit, they've been saying that the Republican pollsters are flooding the zone with favorable GOP polls. Mm. And part of the strategy, I think, to push back against the, and I'm putting this in air quotes, uh, the inevitability of a Democratic blue wave mm. uh, has been to set up polls favorable to Republicans so that when the Democrats actually end up maybe retaining one or both chambers of Congress and maybe expanding more state legislature uh, majorities and so on, Mm. when that happens, they can all go, well, see very clearly the vote was rigged. How can the final results be so vastly different from the polls? My God, we need to have a civil war. And then the uh, Trump's citizen militias swing into action and the vote counting becomes chaos. Mm. I think what we should expect, I, I think the way I'm seeing this is I think the ultimate outcome in a vacuum is going to be good for Democrats and therefore good for democracy. I think the process is going to be rough. We're not yeah. going to know anything Tuesday night. We right. may know some smaller races, but in terms of balances of power, there aren't going to be any results Tuesday night. There may not even be any results Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It may right. go on. But what we've seen in previous elections, and remember previous elections are you know, by the na- very nature of the narrative we're experiencing right now, previous elections are less chaotic than, <laughs> in fact, let me put it this way. 
they're getting more chaotic. Mm. And that's deliberate. Yeah, exactly. That's well, a very and the other thing is that tactic. Yeah, right. And what we know, too, is that because of early voting, mail-in voting, absentee voting, these things tend to take extra time. Right. Uh, these things tend to include dumps, as Donald Trump calls them, of lots of ballots being picked up and then sorted and, and so on. That is, that's already been labeled as being hinky by the Republicans. That's already, already been labeled as something that is suspicious. And so as that continues, they're just basically they're just creating footholds for themselves to perpetrate this continued big lie that the Democrats, all they do is steal elections without any evidence. They have no evidence whatsoever. But uh, what we all know, and that's it's all gaslighting, first of all, it's all to make us individually doubt what's going on, you know, or to make to make us feel like we're crazy (laughs) because we know Things are, by and large, on the level, other than some, you know, some voter fraud here or there that tends to be accidental more than anything else. The real election fraud is taking place by Donald Trump uh, in 2020 and the Republican Party now. The manipulation of their own voters. Uh, Mm. In 2020, it was Donald Trump engaged with trying to extort Ukraine and then manipulating the postal service to slow down mail delivery of mail-in ballots. Then it was, uh, the big lie and the insurrection. That's all of this, all of this, uh, suspicious, uh, you know, fear mongering about elections now from the Republicans is entirely about making up for the fact that they're super fringy, how they've embraced white supremacy and racism and misogyny and all the rest of it, transphobia on down the line. And so they have to manipulate elections in order to make up for that increasingly increasingly marginalized voting base. And uh, and so this is absolutely what they need to do, and this is what they will continue to do. So we got to be ready for Tuesday night. We got to be ready for the subsequent, you know, maybe week or two or three that will come out of this because the they will not rules, accept. Yeah. yeah. If the Democrats, if, if the best case scenario for us occurs, they will lose their minds, so, I, I, you know, and that it's possible that they don't, uh, but I'm just saying that we should be prepared for that eventuality. Yeah. I really, I really hope, you know, you're right on that, that we are, that, that there is massive undercounting of democratic voters and that this is, there are, you know, underhand strategies going on by the Republicans and that this is all sort of, because because the polls, at least from what I can see, are, it is looking fairly good for the for the GOP. And that may be, well be the case. And look, like, I want to hear alternative perspectives on this. Um, I want to, you know, at least have the counter-narrative. Because you remember in 2016, right, where we, the polls were just, they, they fucked it up, basically, right? It was, it was um, you know, there was a, Hillary Clinton was, I think 538, it was like 95% that Hillary Clinton was going to win. Right. And, you know, and it's not necessarily that, you know, polling is inherently you know, problematic, right? It's a, it's a difficult, it, it's not a science really. Um, you know, there are lots of ways of, <clears throat> you know, conducting polls and, and the science of, of polling is, is changes over time and, um, you know, models work for a while, then they stop working and the internet age has like changed everything and, um, you know, cell phones and whatnot and how you contact people and who you can contact. So I, I get it, right? I'm not like knocking the whole polling industry, but um, it's definitely been shown to be flawed over the last, at least the last sort of six, seven years, right? That that, that polls have been, it's, fl- <clears throat> you know, they're nowhere near as accurate as we think they, they might be. Well, I mean, you also have to keep in mind that if you look back at the last several elections, have you ever heard the press say there's going to be a blue wave they don't do it they never say that they always talk about a red wave like in 2012 obama absolutely crushed mitt romney and at no point did they say there was a blue wave they always said it's a horse race horse race horse race it's super super close yeah and romney got crushed Mm. it was bad enough that Karl rove had a meltdown on tv because everyone like They've been hyping up this close race for months, and it wasn't even close. It was an absolute blowout. And mm. then in um, 2018, 
every sign said it was going to be an absolute huge blue wave. And the press was like, oh, no, there's no blue wave. There's no blue wave. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. And then after it did, the press spent like weeks because it took forever to do a lot of the counts, right? Just like what's going to happen now. It took forever to get some of the races finished. It took weeks for the races to finish because there were so many things they had to count and it took a long time. And the press spent weeks insisting there was no blue wave whatsoever. Meanwhile, it was the largest amount of flipped seats since, what, 2004 or some crazy number? It was like ridiculous. It was almost 20 years. And the press was like, we don't know. We don't want to talk about it. there was no blue wave. And the Democrats completely annihilated the Republicans in 2018. They just did not want to talk about it, though. They never, ever talk about a blue wave. Now, I'm not saying there's going to be a blue wave. At, at I'm hoping at best for a stalemate where the status quo is mostly maintained. That would be, I, I mean, that would be a, a one way of a blue wave. But just keeping de- uh, Republicans from taking back the Senate and the House would be a complete failure for them, even if they didn't Democrats didn't take more ground. It would be a complete failure for Republicans. But the youth vote is up. We were talking about this before the show. The black vote is up. Women are have registered in abnormally large numbers, right? And they're not voting because they're angry that Democrats, they're not angry at Democrats for not stopping Roe v. Wade from being overturned. They're angry at Republicans for that. So who are they going to vote for? They're not going to vote for Republicans for taking away their rights. Mm. You know, so this is I mean, and and just voting overall is through the roof. And this this is not looking good for Republicans at all. But the press doesn't want to talk about that for the most part. They just want to talk about how it's a red wave. Mm. So we're going to find out. And I agree with Bob. If Republicans do not win, like if they don't take back the House and Senate, it's going to get ugly. Republicans are going to get really, really violent afterward Mm. because well, that's what they do at this point. That's like their whole thing. <laughs> well, look, okay, we're, we're, we're going to move on from this. We're going to talk um, in the members. Only podcast. I don't think we've helped. We've not helped you at all, have no, we? No, no, no. So, so basically what you're saying is heads the Democrats lose, tails the Democrats lose too, right? So they, if they win, they lose because Republicans are going to go crazy. And if they lose, they lose, they lose. And then that's bad too. So we're fucked. Um, thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Uh, looking at the <laughs> no, look. I, I think we, you know, the, the, I, I, gonna... I think ultimately, if the Democrats win, that's an unequivocal win. The yes, Republicans are going to freak their shit, no matter what. Yeah, mm. pretty much. Yeah. Domestic terrorists are going to oh. do domestic t- t- terrorism regardless. So, even if they win back Congress, they're going to freak out over some race or another, something that they should have won and they didn't win. Whether it's Carrie Lake, one of the governor races, uh, a state legislature here or there. These are petulant, easily led suckers who mm. uh, are compose the base of the Republican Party. And so, yeah, they're going to lose their shit no matter what. And even happens. if they do so win, they'll just not, feel emboldened. Why not push for the best case scenario for the rest of us, for democracy, for normals? So, look, hit, hit, this is a piece um, at, from the Washington University in St. Louis, right? This is a, an expert, this is a guy named Steve Smith who discussed the midterm elections and the GOP's future. This is, I think it was a very, very interesting, um, a very interesting take. So uh, Steve, Steve Smith is the Kate M.G., the Kate M. Gregg Distinguished Professor of Social Science and Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. So they asked him what his predictions were heading into the midterms, and this is what he said, and, and, I, and I want to quickly get your reaction to this. So he says, in general, we expect midterms to reflect some political fundamentals. First, there's the president's popularity. If a president standing in the polls is down, we expect the other party to perform better in the midterms. And because most presidents are less popular midway through their first term than they were at the beginning, we expect the president's party to lose seats in the midterm election. That's a pretty consistent pattern over the last century. Along with the president's popularity, the economy tends to drive midterm election outcomes. Factors like inflation, GDP, unemployment, and trends in personal income can help or hurt the president's party. Based on these fundamentals, we would expect this to be a good year for the Republicans. The data on the economy is mixed at best and is getting a lot of attention. Unemployment is remarkably low, but people are worried about a possible recession. 
even if we're not in a recession, fears about one may drive voters to turn against the Democrats. And the president's popularity... Oh my God! Stupid, stupid because people. Republicans Sorry, are definitely going to make that better. Oh my <laughs> God! Oh my God! We are such <sighs> a broken society. Yeah. Okay. So hold on, I'm going to finish soon. Okay. And the president, he, he goes on. The president's popularity is mediocre at best, with an approval rating of just forty to forty-five percent. And then he continues. He says, however, there is one interesting fundamental that could play to the Democrats' advantage. Typically, the size of the president's victory in the previous election has negative effect on midterms. When presidents are elected by a large majority, they sometimes bring legislators on their coattails. Uh, by midterm, though, those districts revert to the normal pattern and the party loses seats. Biden's victory was less of a landslide. He easily won the popular vote, but his support was not evenly distributed across the country. Additionally, these congressional districts have become remarkably stable due to hardened partisanship. It's difficult to imagine voters switching from support from Democrat two years ago to a Republican this year especially if the Republican candidate is very conservative. If that's true, when the models that predict Republicans picking up 25 to 30 seats may be overestimating the size of their victory. So, so I think that that's quite a, that was, that made me think, right. That, that given this kind of solidity of, of um, the voting, the landscape right now, that, you know, there are the swing voters are kind of, there are swing voters, but the more extreme the GOP becomes, the less likely um, you know, the, the, the fewer swing voters there, there are going to be. Uh, because I think at this point, if you're still a Republican, you're going to be a Republican. You're not converting to a Democrat anytime soon, you know? Right. Uh, so I thought that was that was pretty interesting. And they are they are getting, you know, the raw, you know, Dr. Oz, we've got loads of Trump-backed candidates who are fucking nuts. I mean, Herschel Walker, for goodness sake, in, in, in Georgia. I mean, guys, a lunatic. So I think that the, you know, you're going to have far fewer sort of shaky voters this time around. And I do think that that, you know, that helps play, that does help the Democrats. Um, you know, people aren't going to be abandoning Democrats in droves like they have done before. I think, you know, so look, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence. I'm ambivalent about this. Uh, I'm hoping for the best. Because well, hopefully we'll have something to be thankful for on Thanksgiving. Yes, exactly, exactly. So anyhow, all right, uh, we're going to talk about Paul Pelosi. Uh, Justin and I covered this last week in the podcast. I think the news is just broken, right? We just learned about. Um, yeah, it was that morning. That morning, as we were recording the podcast, and we we had a chat before we recorded the podcast, right? So Justin and I had a mini debate, I would say, as to how we were going to cover this, right? Because Justin was saying, "I fucking know, I bet you it was a maga nut job," and I said, "Look, we can't say that. We don't know. We've got to be careful." And Justin was like, "I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's a maga nut job," and I'm like, "Justin, we can't say that. We've got to be careful." <laughs> so we we I think ben, we ben thought- was the voice of restraint. Yeah, but look, that's my, you know, that is, I, I feel like my, my job, right? As a, as a, if you're like an editor, that's kind of what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to, you know, um, rein in the troops sometimes. And uh, I figure that we, we should, we should say that, um, how did we cover it? I forget how we how we covered it. We basically said we don't know, but this is if it is it's, a right wing. It's very. Extreme. It's probably, but we don't know for sure. It was likely, mm. but we can't really say. So maybe we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, none of us would out, be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, it obviously, and then it, it it turns out it was uh, uh, some QAnon right wing nut job. I mean, the guy was. He went the full. He ran the whole gamut of the political spectrum, right? He was like a nudist or something, and then got into QAnon and was like um, very anti. Sort of, uh, uh, I think, yeah, like January sixth, he believed that, that the election had been stolen and that Donald Trump was like a light worker working. He for still the fucking believes Pizzagate. <laughs> right, 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 right. So it was, was your one classic, of those guys. <laughs> yeah, it was your classic nut job Trump supporter, right? Who who maybe had got to supporting Trump in a roundabout way. But nevertheless, he was a right-wing extremist. Um, he, you know, he was looking for Nancy Pelosi. He was probably going to kill Nancy Pelosi. Instead, he found Paul Pelosi, beat him severely with a hammer. And, uh, you know, look, 
I wanted to talk mostly about the the how the right wing media has covered this, um, and it also it's going to say we're going to sort of this segues into the next section as well on Twitter. But um, you know, Elon Musk was one of the first persons to be, to, to start promoting conspiracy theories. Right, that the guy was actually Paul Pelosi's gay lover. Um, so there were all sorts of horrible right wing tropes. Right, first of all, you know, saying that the attack was. Uh, that Pelosi knew the attacker. Second of all, it was homophobic, um, of course. So they they tried to fit everything in there. And this went to the very top, right? The Fox News was busy uh, casting doubt on the official story, the quote, the quote unquote, the deep state story about what, what had happened. Um, so this whole thing was just disgusting, right? Not only is it, it, it you know, this is a clear indication that right-wing violence, it, I mean, it's incredibly real. Right, uh, you know, we talk about this a lot, right? About what you're seeing on the right is in no way equivalent to what you're seeing on the left. Right wing Christian nationalism is very, very dangerous and very, very violent. Um, and you know, for goodness sake, an 82 year old man beaten with a hammer is horrific, it's absolutely horrific. Imagine that happening at 82 years old. I mean, it just, I, it, I shudder to think about about that you know if he wasn't if this guy wasn't so unstable yeah like if he was if he wasn't like a ranting lunatic he would be a right-wing hero right now like he's he's kind of a hero but he's like kind of he's like he's like a he's like a foaming at the mouth lunatic so he's not going to be he's not going to show up on fox news anytime soon right no i I disagree though i disagree justin i do i think he is a right-wing hero i think the way that the the right-wing media has covered him he, he, they're not saying they're not calling him a hero, but that's how he's being treated, right? He's being this is all, because look at the way that they're talking about Paul Pelosi. This is a guy who is Paul Pelosi hurt? He hasn't hurt anybody, right? He he's married to Nancy Pelosi, so therefore he deserves to get beaten with a hammer. Well, what I mean is they're not going to treat him like they treat Kyle Rittenhouse, right? Yeah, like Kyle yet. Rittenhouse has a future. This guy is a ranting lunatic. He doesn't have a future future. Like, you know, they're not going to like, we have to, to, you know, spend all the money we can to get him acquitted. And then we're going to put him on Fox News. I don't yeah. think they're going to go that far. They're going to keep talking. Like, they're going to like, oh, well, you know, we don't know that he did anything wrong. They're going to like wink, wink, nod, nod that he's a hero. But they're not They're going to literally try to get him to run for office someday. Kyle right. Rittenhouse is going to run for office someday. Guaranteed. Right. Right. But I mean, look, like you know, Fox and Friends, Tucker Carlson, um, who uh, who wasn't it? Megan, even Megan Kelly uh, was was casting doubt on the official story. So this thing is going through the the um, the right wing media echo chamber, uh, leading to all sorts of horrible conspiracy theories being posted on Twitter, which of course is not doing anything to stop them, <clears throat> because Elon Musk himself was spreading horrible conspiracy theories about Paul Pelosi. Uh, but I just think, we're, we're, yeah. yeah, we're just entering a re- again. This is like it's really dangerous. This this is really, really, really worrying, right? That these, these, you know, and look, there are, you know, there have been left wing nut jobs who've attacked. Uh, who was the guy in Virginia? Uh, attacked- I don't remember his name, but I know when they, they, Steve they, King? they yeah. no, Steve Scalise. Scalise, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. So look, I and I think was, that, like, I, I, you know what, it drives me nuts when they bring that up because that guy wasn't there to just kill Steve Scalise. He was there to kill a bunch of people. You know, I don't think he, you know, had uh, a specific member of Congress in mind, and that was only one case. Plus, you right. don't see, and you know, I said this uh, in my uh, piece this week. You don't see Democratic leadership encouraging this kind of shit. You don't see Democratic political videos, campaign videos and what have you uh, condoning it. In fact, inspiring it by saying this is how we do democracy. We shoot the things we don't like or we blow them up. Yes, there was nothing. There's nothing on the left that told that guy to go do it. Exactly right. Exactly right. So occasionally you're going to get a nut job, a lone nut. Who's going to do something? But right. you know, compared to the myriad other cases where you know the insurrection alone, Jesus Christ! Right, right, right. Of course, you know. Obviously, the most egregious example of uh, right-wing political violence 
you know, we, we saw it play out live on our television sets on January 6th. I, I mean, there there is just no comparison. I mean, I guess my point is, right, look, you know, I think that the obviously if they're, the Democrats or, or Liberals can be held accountable um, in any way for political violence in their name, usually they're pretty good at it, about it. They say, yeah, look, we, we reject this. This is terrible. This is awful. And, you know, um, if there's anything we said that inflamed violence, right, sorry, which is, you know, most of the time they're not. They're not actually saying anything. And I can't find, I challenge any Republican to find an example of a, of a Democrat actively encouraging violence in any way. Like just like basic inferences, you know, of, of violence. That, I mean, the examples are are vanishingly rare. So, you know, look, this is. Um, I feel like this is the future now of uh, American politics. Right? It's going to become increasingly violent. We're going to be seeing the violence on one side, and that's coming from the right. Um, and now, look, like moving on to the Twitter, right? We talked briefly about Musk. Elon Musk had just taken over Twitter last week, and I had noted that it was turning into a hellhole. We talked about this. My feed is just filled full of crypto bros and um, conspiracy theorists and QAnon nutjobs and, um, you know, people spreading anti-vax disinformation because they're all coming out of the woodworks now, right? Now that Musk has taken over, is becoming a libertarian paradise um, and, a, and, a tr- and a MAGA paradise again. Just, at the ro- just when we need it, right? Just when we <laughs> need it. Just when we need we need to have, uh, you know, we, obviously the midterms and then we're heading, you know, 2023, 2024 was presidential cycle again. I, I, I'm getting kind of worried about this, right? Is, is this, you know, are there any other alternatives to Twitter? What do we do here, right? I, I've been sort of, searching for social media alternatives but i don't really see because i want to escape like you know do you engage with this stuff i i finding finding it increasingly difficult to just engage with the right-wing lunacy because it's mad and you can't really it's not a town you know elon musk calls it a digital town square but it's not if you've got people like anti-vax nut jobs uh, and and all these like MAGA conspiracy theorists. How can you engage in any conversation with, with them? You can't, right? Not so, slightly. <laughs> yeah. Where where does it go? Like, are, are you guys looking at any other social media um, channels? There, there are there are a few options. Oh, cool. I signed up over at Counter Social, which doesn't seem like it's going to be the one. But I think it's important now that you plant your flag on these different uh, startups that. It could eventually become the thing, Something, right, but right, right. the thing will be, the thing will emerge irrespective of how we choose it. It's just going to organically occur, sort of like yes. Facebook taking over for MySpace, which took over for Friendster before it. There was something else I think called Zune that was before Friendster. Uh, in fact, I, I forget the name of the thing that preceded Friendster. It started with a Z or it had a weird, ambiguous name. Anyway. Uh, the fact is that the replacement for Twitter will come. I mean, yeah. it may actually end up being Twitter when Elon Musk finally decides to dump it and say that it's <laughs> more trouble than it's worth. Yeah. Uh, and then someone else will buy it and maybe restore what it used to be. Who knows? But there are many options and the the hive mind will kind of organically move to one of those options. It'll just it'll happen. Uh, I just don't know where it's going to go. There's another one called Mastodon. Don't. By the way, I've been trying to get the word out. Don't go to Tribal, Tribal, which has an odd spelling to it. Those guys are. That is a data mining uh, malware site <laughs> uh, run by guys who might be liberal, but who play fast and loose with the truth. So those are the occupied Democrat guys, right? Those are those are the. Yeah, um, I, I'm not. Yeah, I don't trust that I, stuff. I, Justin, you might have some connection to those guys. I, I, I don't. I've never liked the Occupy Democrats guys. I always yeah, felt. Yeah, I, I know them. It's it's shady. Yeah, I, I met <laughs> them at a Netflix like seven years ago, and I just got a bad taste in my mouth in terms of how they play this. I, I get the sense that they're in this for reach and clicks way more yes. than they than they are for the truth. Yeah, that, no, it's uh, definitely it's definitely not about it's definitely not about the cause. It's more about how much money 
yes. they can get out of it. Cynical cash grab. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the truth as well, you have to be factual. And I think the occupied Democrats, they're always the ones on Twitter I see, you know, all, all of the people who work in that, for that company or whatever that is. I don't even know if it's a company or not. But they're always saying, you know, tweet if you re- if you like this, retweet if you think this. And I, it's kind of spammy, you know, it's kind of cheap. Like, I don't like that. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not going to be joining Tribal or Tribal or whatever they call it. <laughs> tribal. Um, but, yeah, counter. I, I checked out Counter. I haven't spent a huge amount of time. Counter Social looks interesting. I, I, I may do that. But are you putting a lot of time and effort into it or, or just a look, like a little bit? Are you asking me? Yeah, are you are you dedicating a, a good amount of time to it? Or no, 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 or? no. I'm just there in a cursory way, sort of like um, when MeWe started up as a possible competitor to Facebook. Yeah, I just I went over there to reserve my name and just kind of maintain a presence, but it's not something that I'm actively participating in. Not until it becomes a serious hub. And the thing with Twitter is everyone's on Twitter. One of the reasons mm-hmm. I stay there. One of the reasons I'm going to stay there until it's dead is because, at least for now, everyone's on it. You get the first first draft of history on Twitter, and I just happen to be of the Constitution that I can deal with it, more or less. I can deal with the chaos and the doom scrolling uh, and not lose my mind and not want to take a flying leap out of my window. But (laughs) I I know a lot of people can't deal with that. And it's actually getting worse and worse and worse as the Elon Musk era uh, continues on. I mean, we're only a week in and it's already become a a hell site, uh, even worse than it was before. um, You're aware that a whole bunch of advertisers have started suspending their ads on it already? Yeah. 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 I mean, this um, is—he's going to have to change. This is like he thinks he's going to have a censorship-free free-for-all. That's not going to happen, you know. Yeah, well, he's yeah. a multi-billionaire. No. Maybe he could just run it without advertising. But well, somehow, I doubt I, it. You know, the thing—my rant about the blue check situation—is is we just learned last night through some uh, pretty good reporting, some pretty reliable reporting, that the blue check process, where you'll pay eight dollars a month to get that icon next to your name. Mm. It's not, they're no longer going to do identification verification. They're no longer going to make sure that you are who you are, which makes the blue check entirely worthless. worthless. Essentially what the blue check will become is like a kick me sign on your back. It'll only represent that you have genuflected before Elon Musk and you've decided to pay him $8 a month. And you know, the whole point of it was to protect public figures and to protect their followers by mm. authenticating who they are. When you retweet something from the White House account, you know that it's the White House. It's from the White House. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. You yeah. know, it's not a scammer. Uh, you know, it's not someone trying to make a fast buck by exploiting GoFundMe or something and someone's uh, popular name, which is mm. going to happen again. Once, you know, the public figures lose their blue checks because they've decided not to pay eight dollars a month to a fucking maniac. Uh, mm. There are going to be many, many more scams, many more cases of fraud perpetrated by trolls on Twitter. And uh, this is bad. I don't know anyone who's going to pay for their blue check. And that's good because it's just it's completely worthless. Uh, having a blue check next to your name on Twitter very soon will be the equivalent of having a red baseball cap on your head. That's essentially what it's going to be. It's going to be a shibboleth. It's going to be a scarlet letter indicating one particular thing. And that is I genuflect at the feet of Elon Musk and nothing else. It will prove yeah, just, nothing else. Yeah. I mean, what are they saying? You, what are the benefits that's supposed to confer that you're supposed to give you I don't know, like increased reach or something? I don't, I don't even know. Like I'm losing followers. Like I feel like I'm losing followers by the hundreds. I'm losing. I lost a thousand. I've lost a thousand already. Jeez. It's just Jeez. in the past week. It's, it's been one week. I've lost a thousand yeah. followers. So I think that this, what, what could be happening is, is Musk is basically, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any proof of this, right? So I'm just speculating here, but <clears throat> They could start to do what Facebook's doing is throttling traffic and saying, you you know, you want traffic, you want click, you want eyeballs, pay us. Right. That's you know? exactly it. I mean, he's well, offering it for Facebook. Yeah. He's offering some benefits. 
but they're minor benefits. They're completely yeah. irrelevant benefits. I mean, yeah. they're benefits that we've all been functioning on Twitter for uh, 10 plus years without. I mean, other than the edit button, you know, and right. that's essentially that's all we wanted. We just wanted a goddamn edit button. Right. And now it's turned into this next level chaos with Elon Musk and $44 billion and this ridiculous new blue check policy and the vast increase in the amount of racism and misogyny and trolls and awfulness on Twitter. But he's far and, and he's staff. here. And yeah. this guy is on Twitter, the richest man in the world, whining and crying as though someone just took a dump in his Cheerios. You know, conferring with Tom Fitton and other fucking uh, uh, weirdos from the Red Hat Entertainment Complex. Oh, please. Oh, my God. People are so mean to me. Why are people being why do people hate free speech? Meanwhile, pay me eight dollars. It's just so stupid. It's just it's it's ridiculous. And so just watch. There will be an exodus. And yeah. the, the key is to just climb aboard that exodus if you're still interested. But I mean, overall, I just I wish social media would die. I think social media, you talk about a failed experiment. People always yeah, joke, totally. I mean, Chez used to say that America was a failed experiment. You know, what's a failed experiment is social media. I can't yeah. name a single social media platform that has been good for anyone <laughs> in the long run. It's been bad right. for democracy. It's been bad for election integrity. It's been bad for disinformation. I mean, good for disinformation, bad for information. I should put it that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, it, it is. I, I say bring back news groups, <laughs> bring back the <laughs> blogs, bring back discussion forums. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I agree. I agree. I think social media has basically been now a kind of a spectacular failure and we need something new. Um, but yeah, I, I, I await something you know, Substack, like I, I think Substack's pretty cool. They've just re released a new chat feature on Substack. So I think that that could be, uh, I read a really interesting um, piece by one of the founders of Substack when he talks about how in the, the incentives, right? The incentives for a social media network when you have advertising are all completely fucked up because it's just about clicks. Um, right. Yeah, that's it. It's just about clicks and eyeballs and whatever is going to like keep your eyes glued to the screen. Whereas if you have a like, um, if you're using a kind of a, a platform that has no advertising where you can kind of create your own communities and, and mess and, you know, have chats with people and things like that. That's a true social network uh, where the, the, you know, the person who runs the kind of chat group has the, they're the ones who, who determine the rules and the rules are not, it has nothing to do with generating ad revenue. And I think that that's, you know, that's quite, well, that's quite good. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, that either Substack or some other company like that can can f at least uh, change the landscape in a positive way um, and provide kind of more meaningful ways of interacting with other people other than what we have now. Because what we have now is is, is really not good, uh, and it's about to get a lot worse. So look, anyway, let's um, we're going to move on uh, to the next uh, segment in the podcast, which is all basically most people now believe that Donald Trump is going to run again. Uh, the Washington Post, the Guardian are all re reporting this week that it's not a matter of if, it's 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 when. Um, so the, here is the Washington Post. Trump hasn't announced the 2024 bid, but he's acting like he's running. The article starts, former President Trump's advice, uh, Donald Trump's advisors have spent much of this year talking him out of announcing a third White House bid before the midterms, arguing that it could get drowned out by the ongoing campaigns, invite Democrats to focus the races on him and complicate compliance with campaign finance rules. So Trump has stopped short of a formal announcement, but in many ways, he's already acting like a 2024 candidate. He held a rally in, on Thursday in Iowa home to the first-in-the-nation caucus that makes it a, a magnet for presidential hopefuls, but not amongst the top battlegrounds in this year's midterms. Trump is holding events in coming days in Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Florida, critical states in the midterm elections for any Republican presidential contender. Uh, he's also re repeatedly winked at his supporters in public remarks, strongly hinting that his own mind was made up. Quote, under these ridiculous rules and regulations, you're not allowed to talk about it, he said at a rally last month in Michigan. We'll be making a decision very soon. Yeah, in Arizona. I think everyone's going to be happy. I really do. Uh-huh. Uh, right. So, 
there's that happening, right? But then also, I think Republicans are also the chatter in Republican circles that they are preparing themselves for a Trump indictment. They, that Merrick Garland is going to indict Trump. The DOJ is going after him. What like it's it's almost a certainty. Uh, so and that will be announced probably um, after election day. This is probably going to happen after the midterms. Yeah, so it's going to be a race between which one, what, what happens first, the indictment or Trump announcing? Because he's going to want to announce before they indict him, so he yeah. can so he can say well, one he thinks that if he's if he's running, they won't indict him, which is not going to happen. Mm. And he, but he thinks that being a candidate will give him some kind of protection, which it won't. Um, I, I don't know what he's thinking. Maybe he think. I mean, I saw in the article that Republicans think you now he could use that to claim that it's a political persecution. They're only, they're only indicting him because he's a candidate and blah, 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 which no one outside of Fox News world would believe. But, you know, if they say it enough times, they'll believe it because they'll believe anything he says. But I don't see how that's going to apply any pressure to Merrick Garland. Like, I don't see that's going to work whatsoever. No, absolutely not. I, I yeah. think I, I'm still bullish on him not running. Yeah. I think what yeah, he's well, doing yeah, right you... now with this tease is the financial version of what he did in 2012, which was to tease a run for president to promote the Celebrity Apprentice. That's what he did in 2012. I'm going to yeah. run. In fact, I'm going to ask Meatloaf on the show on Celebrity Apprentice whether I should run for president. And, of course, Meatloaf said, absolutely. And so I blame Meatloaf for all of this, by the way. Flipping Meatloaf. But uh, he's doing the same thing now to pump up contributions to his uh, Save America PAC or whatever replaced Save America PAC. And we've already seen evidence that uh, coming out of the New York Attorney General's office that Donald Trump is moving his assets around, trying to hide it from being seized by Letitia James in this Trump organization suit. And the other, or the... Yeah, but both of the the uh, the lawsuit out of Trump Organization Albany. Two. Yeah, what what did I say? He called it Trump Organization Two. Oh yeah, yeah, very very smart, very clever. I think Eric came up with that name. Nice, <laughs> yeah, nice hiding mean. spot. You called it exactly the same thing. You just added the two at the end. But uh, the fact of the matter is that this is just this is him doing another cash grab. However, if he does run. If I'm wrong and he does run, and there's a distinct possibility that I'm wrong in all of this, although I'm in good company. Uh, if he's, if I'm wrong and he does run, it's going to destroy the Republican Party. He's going to split the Republican Party because the, the, the first primary or caucus that he loses, he will tear down the Republican Party. He will say the yeah. vote is rigged. He will go after the other candidates. His red hats will attack the other Republican candidates. And that will that could actually precipitate the split in the party, where ideologically, it's not going to be a whole lot different. Right. But it may separate the Trump people, the Trump faction from the, you know, whatever, the rest. I mean, you might say it's all the Trump faction. But yeah. but not in the context of a primary. It's going to be mm. Trump versus the other 846 Republicans who decide to run. <laughs> so that's the consolation, I think. And plus, he'll end up losing. <laughs> he'll lose his. Uh, I, just, I, I don't think there's any way that he wins the primaries. I don't think he gets the nomination. Well, I've said this before, and I will say it every time we talk about this. I, for one, am truly, deeply looking forward to Glenn Greenwald explaining how Trump, who is under investigation, can run for president when he said very loudly that Hillary Clinton, who is under investigation, couldn't run for president. Mm. I can't wait to see that. Cannot wait. I'm going to actually hang around on Twitter waiting to see how he explains it. Has, has, has Greenwald not blocked you? No, not yet. I haven't. I haven't risen to his notice yet. But man, I'm gonna be all over that. I can't wait. I'm so man, excited. I I'm feel special. I feel special. The fact that he unblocked me, he blocked me, and then unblocked me to 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 attack me, and then blocked me again. Um, uh, I've only had is... Dave Sorota to do that. Glenn Greenwald has not paid attention to me. I'm sad about that. Yeah, Bob, you, have you been blocked by Glenn? Oh yeah, I was blocked by Glenn nine years ago. 
Whatever, Bobster. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I only got blocked a year ago. No, two years ago. Two years ago. I'll have to try harder. Yeah, That's try harder, Justin. <laughs> try, try harder. Um, okay, so yes. Well, look, just just quickly to 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 turn that out right. Like the indictment. I'm hoping that the the indictment, like they time this correctly, right? I think I'm hoping that after the midterms, um, they announce the indictment if they're going to do it they do it before he gets to announce he's running for president i i, I do hope that uh, and i do think like merrick garland it does seem to me right if they're going to indict trump they've got a pretty rock solid case like well, that cash patel's uh, um is is got uh, immunity now so yeah that's yeah good Trump, trump's in a bit of trouble now <laughs> yes yes he is in a bit of trouble i know we keep saying i feel like i've been saying this for, for Six years, seven years, whatever it is, um, he's in real trouble now. Now they've got him, but I, you know, <laughs> I'm hoping that this time they they really do. So look, uh, let's move on to our both sides segment. Uh, I will start with mine, and mine. This you know, again for new listeners to the show, we do a segment every week called Both Sides where we highlight Republican insanity and prove definitively that there are not both sides to this argument, that the Democrats and the Republicans are not just as bad. Uh, and today, my, my example is uh, the inimitable Donald Trump Jr., the coke fiend, MAGA troll general, uh, who he did not, he's deleted it off Instagram, right? But he, on Halloween, he posted a Got My Paul Pelosi Halloween costume ready. And he had a photo of underpants with a hammer on top of it. Jesus. With the caption, OMG, the internet remains undefeated, right? So someone, it was some meme, and then Donald Trump Jr. reposted the meme. But he then took it down, um, I think, later. But regardless, this is this is where we're at now. This is where we're at. This is... Uh, the Republican Party, Donald Trump Jr. is, you know, again, you might say that he's a MAGA. He's MAGA. He's not Republican. No, no, no. MAGA is Republican. Republican is MAGA. Donald Trump Jr. is the chief troll of the MAGA Party, of the Republican Party, and this is what he's doing. He's mocking an 82-year-old man nearly beaten to death with a hammer because he is a liberal. And that's just delightful. And they've been yeah. spreading that all over the place. I've seen people making the same joke in uh, chat groups, and they just think it's absolutely hilarious. This is just who they are. Yep. 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 Well, there you go. That's my uh, that's my pick for this week, Donald Trump Jr. And uh, I, at some point, I would hope uh, we never have to hear from this prick again. Um, well, you know, we're, we're sooner or later, for... he'll just overdose. He'll end up in rehab or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow. Uh, so, Justin, your pick this week. All right. Um, I have Bo Hines. He's uh, running for the house, I believe. Um, he's a football player. So they, that seems to be a theme. Um, now, he's he doesn't seem to have the head injuries, but he's just an awful person. Um, and this is from WRAL News. Hines thinks abortion should be unlawful, except in cases where a mother mother's life is at risk okay that's standard republican awfulness um he wants victims of rape and incest to be allowed to get an abortion on a case-by-case -case basis through a community level review process outside the jurisdiction of the federal government um this seems to be a thing that republicans like oz said something about this the other day um what did he say he wants it between a, a a woman her doctor and a local community um leader or something like that it's like just just the idea of having to submit your abortion request to the community so they can judge whether or not you're decent enough to get an abortion whether or not you were actually raped or whether or not you're a victim of incest is super super disturbing that is like super super creepy and that is just there's literally i can't think of anything even remotely like that on the left this is like super creepy christian nationalism weirdness coming from the right but this is like normal stuff for them now this is typical Ugh. this isn't even extreme this is just normal if 
Christ. Yeah, I'm watching a documentary on Jerry Falwell Jr. So we'll talk about that next week. But oh, about Lord. Christian nationalism, yeah, this is this is um, it's again the, these are domestic terrorists. I say it's a domestic terrorist movement, um, full of um, insane sort of what did you call it? The MAGA Taliban. I think maybe. Yeah, uh, pretty yeah. much. Yeah, exactly. So Bo Hines, we remember that name, everybody. Uh, Bob, your pick this week. I'm going with the Republican candidate for governor in Wisconsin, Tim Michaels. Okay. Yeah, who announced before a group of his uh, voters, his supporters, <laughs> this week that uh, if he wins, if he becomes governor of Wisconsin, his party will never lose another election in the state ever again. Wow. God's sake. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. Saying it out loud. Yep. There you go. So that entirely illustrates the stakes of this election. As I've been saying for many, many months, if not years now, the Republicans want to seize power and then barricade the door behind them. And mm. that's it. That's the entire motivation of the Republican Party. And they'll own the libs and they'll make fun of Paul Pelosi and they'll do whatever they have to do to convince these fucking easily led suckers these Republican mm. voters to keep supporting them and to keep giving them money because what they want to do is, you know, <laughs> win an election, use democracy to end democracy, basically. So that's what this guy's announcing. If I win, democracy is dead in Wisconsin and by proxy across the United States, because, you know, Wisconsin and its electoral votes are important <laughs> and, uh, they represent, uh, you know, the stakes in a national election. So this guy wants to end all of that. He wants to end democracy. And so anyone suggesting that, uh, oh, yeah, the, the left is just uh, exaggerating conspiracy theory uh, mongering and all the rest of it over this democracy thing. I'm voting because gas is three dollars a gallon. Well, just look at uh, Tim Michaels in uh, Wisconsin. Can you imagine if Stacey Abrams said, if you elect me, Georgia will never be read again? Right. My God, it would be the top line news for the next week. Exactly. It would be the only story we would ever hear about. Oh, Democrats promised to destroy democracy. But you're not going to hear about this after today. You're not going to yep. hear about this guy. They'll not, yeah. They won't talk about it. They'll just yeah. be like, oh, it's something that happened. It's a footnote. Yeah, it's a footnote. It's nothing It's nothing serious. Nothing to see here. Just normal Just normal MAGA chat, right? It's But again, like I think the dangerous thing here, and I hope that we highlight this in the podcast, <clears throat> is that this stuff is normalized. The stuff is is not, is, you know, it doesn't make headlines anywhere. I, I saw the story, but you have to search for that story. Um, a politician essentially saying out loud that they're going to try to end democracy. It's like, I promise to rig elections. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's just yeah. a Tuesday. Right. right, 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 right. But that's because that, that is that's completely normalized now. And, um, you know, vote in this election because this may be one of the last elections you're able to vote in. Again, this is not hyperbole. Like people, the, the presidential election, 2016, 2020, 2024, if Trump's on the ticket for 2024, vote. Because if you don't, you might not be able to vote again. And that's, that is not, I'm, you know, this is not hyperbole. This is not uh, uh, trying to make people anxious. Like, this is true. This is how democracies die. Reading a, a fascinating book, we talked about this last week, Justin, on, on the rise of Hitler and how Hitler came to power in Germany. And the parallels with what Trump is doing are frightening to say the least, uncannily similar. Yeah, and they're saying uh, it out loud. It's not even saying, like they're trying to hide it. Yes, yes, yes. And that, and that when, when it becomes normalized, it becomes part of the discourse. It becomes like, you know, um, you know if they're telling you they're going to do it, believe them. So yeah. anyhow, we're going to head into uh, the members only section. Please come and join us there. If you're not a Bantam member, We'd love to have you. We do a members-only podcast each week. It's short and um, short and sweet, but we have this week. We're going to be talking about uh, the midterms and what happens if the GOP does win both houses. Where does this leave Joe Biden? What can the Democrats do to counter that? What does this mean for twenty twenty-four? Lots of interesting thoughts on this. So uh, get yourself a free trial. Click on the link. 
um, in the in the in the email, and you'll be able to get access to it. Listen to it for free, and we will see you there. And everybody else, have a great week, and see you next week. Later. <laughs>